It's the 16th episode of Falling with Style. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And this is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon podcast. Each episode is dedicated to exactly one movie in the Pixar Animation Studios canon. Today we're talking about a very strange entry in the Pixar canon. Pixar's first to be considered a box office bomb and one that's straight up forgotten about by many. It's the film originally announced alongside Inside Out as the untitled Pixar film about dinosaurs. We are talking about The Good Dinosaur. The Good Dinosaur story was originally developed by Bob Peterson and Peter Sohn, the former of which served as the original director for the film, and the latter of which took over directing a couple years before release. The screenplay was written by Meg LaFauve, who we mentioned last month as one of the writers of Inside Out, and it was widely released on November 25th, 2015, less than six months after Inside Out and two years after it was originally slated to hit theaters. Wow. Prior to preparing for this conversation, Doug's actually only seen it one time. And Derek, if I'm remembering correctly, this is one of the ones you've never seen before. I knew nothing about this movie other than the title, <laughs> and I've never, I never even saw the trailer for it, so literally knew nothing oh, about wow. it. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Well, that actually speaks to something that I, I will touch upon at some point. But um, so you, okay, so you knew like nothing about this. Uh, I think the extent of my knowledge was, I guess I saw the poster because I knew there was a green... Like what I uh, what I what I thought was like a brontosaurus or something. I know that's not technically mm-hmm. what he is, but that was like what I thought. And a child. That's all I knew. So I didn't know yeah. the context or the setup or what it was about. Or I I was didn't realize how young the main dinosaur was. Mm-hmm. Knew nothing about it other than that that poster. So and I knew a lot yeah. of people didn't like it either. That so yeah. <laughs> so well that okay. So this is I think. You know, I, I I'm not entirely sure. We'll 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 find out together how much you and I will have to say about this one collectively. But I do think that this is a really important movie for our podcast specifically. As strange as that sounds, given okay. its reputation for being sort of forgettable and and one that's not very well liked, because. What we've been doing is going through the whole canon, right? And there's been this sort of ups and downs journey the past mm-hmm. however many years of of the Pixar canon. And we've revisited a couple times this assertion that I've made that Pixar's never made a bad movie, right? I still assert that Cars and Cars 2 are not bad movies, that Brave is not a bad movie. I do think The Good Dinosaur is the closest Pixar comes to making a bad movie. Yeah. But I still don't know if I would call it a bad movie, I do, however, think that it fails in a number of regards. Yeah. And I and so I think it's the perfect movie for us to sort of like once again revisit this idea that Pixar only puts out bangers or hasn't ever really put out like a piece of crud, right? Yeah. I think you win on a technicality on this one because it's definitely <laughs> not a banger. And I would not I still wouldn't go as far as to say that it's a bad it is a bad movie in the most general sense, but it's not a very good movie. I, either. I, I think you could make arguments though. That's why, I, that's why I think like, 
Like, I think people who who would say that they don't like this movie or that this is a bad movie or or simply, even if they're not willing to say it's a bad, like a bad movie, just sort of what you're saying, which is it's not a good movie necessarily. Yeah. Like, I think there are very legitimate arguments to make. I also think there are very legitimate reasons <laughs> that are documented. Sure. A little bit, not not widely documented, but a little little bit of documentation that goes a long way as to why this movie doesn't hit the same uh, and why it's largely forgotten about. Yeah, I think that this is a case where the uh, general consensus is actually pretty correct for this, in my opinion. Really did go into it like with an open mind and, mm-hmm. and thinking that I might come out come out of it with some hot take or something. But no, people are I right. I don't think it's a very good movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have a hot take either, honestly. Like I, I will swing for Cars two. I'll swing really hard for Cars one. You know what I mean? But like. And brave, I'll, I'll I'll take a swing at too. But like, this isn't one that I'm gonna necessarily go really hard at bat for. Even though I do think there's some really good stuff in here, I think there's sure. still some worthwhile emotional beats. I think, uh, I mean, right off the bat, just to just to call out, I think the best thing about the movie, which shouldn't be the best thing about the movie, but this is by far the best looking, most photorealistic Pixar movie they've made to this point and potentially ever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be, <laughs> it's stupid, pretty it's, it's, I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to be like super negative here, but it honestly, to me is a little bit to its detriment because I, I agree think that it makes the, uh, the more simplistic character designs stand out in a way that's kind of off putting to me because everything is so photorealistic, photorealistically beautiful. No, I totally agree. I uh, let's. I guess let's just start with with the stuff that's maybe the easiest to sort of dissect, which is the the style and design and and sort of setting and character design. If for some reason you're listening to this uh, episode without watching the movie, and I really do think this may be the only movie aside from the Cars movies that anybody would do that for. I think it's fine. I don't think you have to. I think it's honestly. fine. I mean, I would still <laughs> encourage you to watch it because I I like Pixar and I I don't think it's a waste of your time necessarily. But I do think that you probably have a lot of other movies you want to watch and this shouldn't be at the top of your list. Yeah. So I do think I, I, well, no, I don't think, I know for sure I agree with you about that. And that was something I walked away from the movie with, which is like, holy shit, that was really gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But it makes the character designs look really subpar. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't really, I just don't really get. I don't really get the thought process there, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I don't either. I, I, I don't either. And 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 I do have, you know, sort of production timeline stuff, but I do want to get into some things first because I, I want to just like explore some of what you and I just like get out of it as viewers okay, before sure. digging into some of the weird production stuff. You okay, know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah. I know that there was, I, I was curious and looked up a little more than I normally do yeah. with this and just, and it's you like, Oh, there wasn't that much though, to be yeah. honest. But, but just knowing that it seemed like it was kind of a mess behind the screens yeah. in certain regards, I do think you can kind of feel it when you watch the movie. Mm-hmm. There is a certain magic that's, that's missing throughout it that every other, even, even the, the, the Pixar movies that I don't particularly like, like the cars movies, they still kind of have that magic that this movie doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of boring in a way that Pixar movies are never boring. It was, it was a very honestly kind of a strange experience watching it. I think it's weird. It's, it's, it's a movie that's only an hour and a half long. It doesn't feel like that. It's not. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't think for me, 
and I've only seen it the two times, right? It doesn't feel like an especially long movie, but it feels longer than yeah. 90 minutes. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think too, I, I do think that like when this movie is good, it's very good. It's yeah. just that those moments are very far and few in between. And in those very good mo- very good moments, it does feel like a Pixar movie. Yes. Pretty much any time, yes. anytime Arlo is interacting with other dinosaurs, it feels like a Pixar movie and it's funny, but those movement, mo- those moments are very bizarrely sparse. And uh, there's a lot of the movie that's just very quiet and as- atmospheric and like, which could have been really cool. Could have, but I think they, if they were going to do that, like Wally does that obviously right. early on, but there's also a lot of jokes and a lot of like interesting character stuff. I think the world of, of the good dinosaur is so, it's like a little too realistic, even though it's literally like an alternate universe with dinosaurs or whatever. We'll get into that, yeah. but it's still, it's still, you're just in, in a pretty, in, in kind of empty woods where not much is going on. And there's like no jokes for a lot of the movie. Like when the jokes are there, it feels like a Pixar movie because it's funny, but most of the time it's like not a funny movie. And I think like with Wally, you could get, you could, you can, you're, you're okay with a lot of the quiet of that movie because there are still like funny things and interesting background stuff going on. And there's all this like kind of lore in the background of the world. There's none of that in this movie when it is atmospheric. It is just Arlo wandering through woods that kind of look like modern day forests like you would see mm-hmm. and nothing different is happening and nothing funny is happening and they're just walking and that's mm-hmm. it. And that's a lot of the movie. You know, you you said a word that I was like kind of wondering or hoping, honestly hoping you would say uh, before I did, because I was like, I wonder if he got the same impression I did. And like, empty to me says volumes about this movie in a number of ways. But like above all, especially because we're talking about the environment and how beautiful it is. um, Despite that, it feels really empty, like especially for... I mean, for any world, but especially for a Pixar world, like it just feels like it's not inhabited. Yeah. Which yes. is really, really bizarre. It's very bizarre, especially because here's the thing. My very first note for this movie when I was watching it is that's what this movie is about. Question mark, question mark mm-hmm. in all caps. Because I had no idea that the whole movie, the whole concept of the movie, which feels like a good high concept premise, is predicated on like what if the the meteor asteroid or whatever it was that killed the dinosaurs like missed the earth so they didn't go ex- extinct and they just sort of continued and like that's a really interesting kernel of a premise and i wasn't expecting it to go scientific with it or whatever so it's not like the dinosaurs are like evolving in a realistic way or whatever right they're not even like like our our understanding of what dinosaurs looked like that's not even applying here they're kind of going with the old-fashioned jurassic park they all kind of look like lizards except sometimes they have feathers whatever it doesn't matter the science doesn't check out who cares but i still would have expected like there to have been a little more imagination for like the what if of it because it pretty much just stops like okay well 65 million later 65 million years later the dinosaurs look the same and they are smarter and have agriculture and like run a farm. And that's kind of where it stops. Like there's nothing else about like what civilization might be like if dinosaurs like had a civilization, like they don't have to go the full on Zootopia route with it, but they also could have, there's, there's, it's a really rich concept that like they really do pretty much nothing with. Mm -hmm. And, And I find that just so strange. Yeah, I agree. It's it's really bizarre. And one of the things that that to me makes it feel so empty is like 
yes, they asked that question, what if the asteroid never hit, right? That was like the very, that was like one of the very first things we knew about this movie. I, oh, I, we're, okay. <laughs> we're fully, by the way, we are fully, but, but, but remember, there's a thing I want to bring up about the marketing. Like, we're at the point in Pixar's history where I now fully remember learning about the movies that were to come, right? Mm -hmm. So from the moment they announced this movie as the untitled Pixar movie about dinosaurs, I knew it was happening, right? Like that's where we're at in my history with Pixar. So I remember this movie happening. It's weird that it's been like over a decade now that I've been aware of this movie that's only existed for like, what, six years or something? Mm -hmm. But I, I was following it. And so it's funny to me to have been following like that whole journey and, and, and getting some of those updates, but not a whole lot of updates, seeing the promotional stuff that did come out and then see it sort of like evolve and be taken away and sort of redone and all this sort of stuff. But the one thing that never really changed was the idea of what if the asteroid never hit and, and, and earth just kept spinning and dinosaurs never died out. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's weird to me that Pixar, which is sort of known, originally known, not even like currently now known, but like originally known for creating these what-if worlds, yeah, doesn't flesh this one out. Like, no. we know that one family farms. We know that one dinosaur family farms. Yeah. And we know that one other dinosaur family ranches. Yeah. And that's it. We don't know anything about any other dinosaur families or civilizations or yeah. society. It's really empty and eerie i think in an unintentional way because they, yeah. they don't they don't explore why this apatosaurus family this long neck family is is living alone away from everybody else and then they don't explore why right. they need to stay on their farm they don't explore why you shouldn't cross the fence why you shouldn't cross the river aside from it's dangerous like they they tell you that arlo our main character this this sort of clumsy dinosaur the youngest sibling and, and weakest quote weakest sibling shouldn't go far from the farm mm -hmm. but like why what's right. out there like we, right. we eventually learn some things that are out there but there's no like greater looming be afraid of what's out there there's no like that's the shadowlands don't go there simba you know what i mean like right. there's no impending doom outside of like hey just just don't leave the farm <laughs> Yeah. Okay. It, seriously. And even, even the other family, the family of T-Rexes that are ranchers, we still like, we see them in the act of chasing their, their, uh, their livestock. That's, but that's it. We still don't see like, where do they live? Like, what is, what does their shelter look mm -hmm. like? How do they, like, I know that they can wrangle the, uh, the whatever they call the bucks or whatever um not the bucks that's not what they are the I think they just call them longhorns longhorns that's there's right. a character named buck that's why i had the word buck in my head and buck is also a completely different animal than that so whatever the longhorns um we see how they like wrangle the longhorns but then like what do they do with them like they're carnivores do they just like eat them like with yeah. just alive or like do they slaughter them in some way we don't see any of that and that's that's a thing i mean and again they don't have to go in depth into it, but it's sort of like, it's just another example of like, we get a piece of something potentially interesting, but it's not really fleshed out beyond just sort of the one plot point. Like, Oh, they're kind of cowboys. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. I guess that T-Rexes are cowboys, I guess. And they don't go anything beyond that. And like, that's, that's how it is for everything. Every, every interesting element is like the introduction level. Like it's just introduced the, the basic, the basic concept. You see it for a few minutes and then it's gone. And yeah, it's just you expect more from a Pixar movie. 
the fact that like land before time movies have more like rich dinosaur worlds than a Pixar movie, like that shouldn't be the case. You can't see my face right now, but I'm like agreeing and cringing at the same time. Uh You know what I mean? Like Uh it's it. And it's, it's unfortunate. I guess I can start dipping into some of this production stuff because I think it, it does start to offer some insight. But one thing that's really especially cringy is going back as I do to read like, the announcements of these films or articles uh, about like D23 at the time, the Disney convention Mm -hmm. uh, or interviews or press press, you know, like uh, like press interviews, like press tour interviews, stuff like that. What's especially cringy is like reading quotes of them saying like, you know, so many other studios have done dinosaur movies. This is, this is unlike any dinosaur movie you'll ever see. Right. Mm. These big quotes like that. Um, Or John Lasseter making a quote about how like the movie's so funny and it's like funny in a way that like you'd never expect. And like these quotes from like, where though? Like, like where, like it's, it's so wild to me. So, okay. (laughs) This movie, like I mentioned, was announced alongside Inside Out. It was announced at the same time. It was like kind of funny and cute at the time because it was the untitled Pixar film that takes place inside the mind and the untitled Pixar film about dinosaurs. Right. Sure. Um, we kind of knew that a dinosaur film was probably going to happen because there actually was concept art and like 3d rendered models of a long neck dinosaur that appeared in the background of the special features for up. So people kind of knew that that was something Pixar probably was thinking about if only for like a short film or something. So people kind of were like waiting for them to address like, what are those dinosaurs? Cause they're probably not there by mistake. It's probably a tease right. sort of like Pixar does in their own movies. And, uh, you know, there was an Arlo. It, it's, it's not even really recognizable necessarily as Arlo, but there was like an Arlo toy, uh, in, in a previous movie. Again, something you would expect sure. from Pixar. Right. But it was officially announced in 2011 and it was announced for a 2013, holiday release which again two years prior to when this actually happened inside out was meant for a june 2014 release so these films swapped like in release order Hmm. based on their own delays right so like in it's worth noting inside out was delayed as well we talked a little bit about how like they had trouble sort of like initially breaking the story and they they made different corrections to that uh, as far as like switching joys companions and stuff like that. Um, But it was ultimately only pushed a year, which doesn't feel that weird. Good dinosaur was pushed two years. uh, And so it ends up coming out after inside out at the time of its announcement. Like I said, the basic idea was explained already. What if the asteroid never hit earth? And then at some point during production, they changed the release date by like six months, not that big a deal. But then in August, 2013, which is only two months before the initial release date, right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. announced that Bob Peterson, the initial director of the movie, was being removed from the production. Basically because they said the story just wasn't working and uh, like specifically they couldn't figure out how to like break the third act of the movie. About yeah. a month later, the release date was pushed to November 2015, which was its final date, right? Yeah. In 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 the months, months, Derek, I think this begins to offer a lot of insight. In the months between when Bob Peterson was removed from the production and a new director was officially appointed, months, a number of senior creative team members, including like John Lasseter, uh, probably Pete Docter, definitely Peter Sohn, who ends up the director of this, all stepped in at some point and worked on different parts of the film trying to like correct things or tweak things or like fix things and like figure out like how do we make this make sense and then in 2014 
like months after they announced that Peter Stone would permanently take over the film. And Peter Stone, we've mentioned before, he's, he's, it's not like a weird person to, to decide. It's more the way that it came about that was sort of weird. Peter Stone was with Pixar for a long time. He came on as an artist during Finding Nemo. Uh, he had worked on The Iron Giant and Osmosis Jones in their animation departments, and he continued to work as a Pixar artist uh, until he began developing this very film with Bob Peterson. So it makes sense that he was ultimately chosen. Sure. It's actually more weird that he wasn't chosen immediately. Mm-hmm. And they had like all these senior creative guys coming in anyway. It was also kind of a victory because Peter Sohn ends up becoming the first director of a Pixar film who isn't white. So like at the time it was like, oh, oh shit, like that's actually pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, after the fact, it means that like the only Pixar film to date that had a director that was a woman and the only Pixar film to date that had a director who was a person of color <laughs> end up being two of the <laughs> least well-received Pixar films to date outside of Cars. Cool. Um, but it was still like a moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've mentioned him before because he's done voices for Pixar. He was the voice of Emil, Remy's brother in Ratatouille. He was Squishy, uh, the five or six-eyed you know, fraternity member in Monsters University. Um, and actually, this is just a fun fact. He provided dialogue for Genki in Into the Spider-Verse, but the dialogue was ultimately cut. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's fine. Maybe he'll um, show up in the in the sequel then. I hope so. I hope so. But unfortunately, what this means is that Peter Sohn inherited this project that wasn't, I mean, like he helped develop the story, but but that's normal at Pixar. You're usually not mm-hmm. developing a story by yourself. So it wasn't necessarily like his story. And not only was he in, in, inheriting a film that wasn't necessarily like his particular project, but it was a project that like a number of other senior creative members had gotten their hands on at some point. Right. And so ultimately <laughs> his job was like, to rework, clean up, and he says, ultimately simplify what had become an overcomplicated story. Wow. Sound familiar? Seems like it might have went, uh, might have been an overcorrection for this movie. But Which <laughs> which is a thing we talked about with Brave, too, remember? Yeah. Somebody was yep. brought in to, to simplify an overcomplicated story, yeah. and I think went too far. I think the same thing happens here. Yep. Here's what's really wild. Ultimately, in 2015, months before the film is is set to release Pixar publicly announces that they'd pretty much recast the entire movie except for one person. So So the entire original cast was ditched because they changed the story that dramatically and reworked the characters that dramatically in the like two years, or I guess Peter Stone was, uh, announced the director in 2014. So like in the year leading up to this movie being released, They like reworked the whole story and characters and everything so much so that they had to replace the entire cast that we already knew was going to be the cast of the movie that had already recorded their lines. Like John Lithgow talked about this. He was, he was originally Arlo's father. He said, I recorded the whole movie, but they reworked it and it's great. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to re-record the whole movie. And it turns out, no, you're not. You're going to get recast. (laughs) Yeah. Cause cause he was, he was dad. He was Papa, right? Yeah. And Jeffrey Wright is such like a, I mean, I love Jeffrey Wright, like, and he's fine in the movie for kind of the, you know, pretty basic character that he gets. But like, that is, that is a very different caliber of actor than John Lithgow. Like that, mm-hmm. those are wildly different performances or what, like inevitably there's no way. Like, yeah, well, I, so, I mean, which this is not to say that John Lithgow couldn't have played like a serious father with gravity and all that but i can't imagine that's what they would have cast him for 
Yeah, it would have know? been a very different energy, though. Like, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, do you know if they reworked character designs too? They because, sure did because yeah. they released promotional posters with completely different character designs. I mean, like you can tell that it's it's related, but it, it feels like you're looking at one of those like knockoff like mm-hmm. copycat films made like super cheap and released on streaming services, you know? Yeah. It's like a green dinosaur and a little kid, but they look different. It just makes me feel like the reason that the character designs are so simplistic, despite the world being so detailed might be because they had to get it done faster <laughs> at this well, point since they were reworking it from maybe, the, you know, cause like the, the character designs weren't like super detailed before either, oh, okay. but, but part of what they did was they made Arlo much smaller. I mean, they made him younger, which is why they had to recast him. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I guess he was originally played by Lucas Neff from, uh, raising hope. Oh, interesting. I don't know what else he's from, but that's yeah. like the one thing I, I did recognize him from. And I sure. recognize his face, but he's like an adult man, you know? Right. Uh, who probably would have been playing like a teenager or a young yeah. young adult or something like that. Um, but they they replace him with a child, you know? So like yeah. drastically dropped the age and the size of the character. Like if you look at old concept artwork, like Arlo's huge. Mm. <laughs> and I think and I think I saw somewhere that Peter Sohn compared, I mean, this is a little bit exaggerated, but he compared it to like, it would be like you being best friends with like a bee. Like it was the size, the scale was just, way too huge in difference that still would have been i mean it would have been interesting if they were able to pull that off though especially if it's like giant dinosaur if the arc is still the same and it's so it's a giant dinosaur who's still scared of everything like yeah that's kind of a fun thing to play with and sure but a little more interesting than just a child who is scared which is what we get in this movie but here's the thing is like i think that pretty much anything about this movie you could point to and say that it could have worked. That's true. Like, I don't think there's anything (laughs) in this movie that is fundamentally broken in its concept. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what, that's one of the things that I think makes this movie so weird. And the only explanation I can really think of is that so many hands touched it. Mm -hmm. So many people got into it. They had pushed it two years at this point. I think they announced this movie so early as compared to how movies are announced now for Pixar and, and how they used to be announced prior to this. Like, it just seems like they had a lot going on. There was a lot going on with, you know, the integration uh, into Disney. This is like around when they decided, like, we, we never talked about this on our on our show, but like they started this very small, like subsidiary branch up in Canada that lasted a couple years working on like TV stuff that they then shut down around this time. Hmm. It, this is also like two original concept movies after a number of sequels. So people were like, especially excited about the idea. I just think like this movie shouldn't have been released when it was, or it should be on the shelf next to Newt. You know what I mean? Like clearly yeah. something wasn't working that would have made it to the caliber of a Pixar movie, even though I think all the ideas are fine. Like all the yeah. ideas are perfectly fine. Just yeah. too many people. There's just too yeah. many people. Well, and it doesn't, the thing is like, it also like, it doesn't feel like it's a mess of a movie either in no. a way that some of these types of things often do when it's too many hands touching it. No, it it's really, like not that kind of too many people. It's like right. it's so like, many people were in there that it feels like there's remnants of what maybe different people touched, mm-hmm. but not like, but too much was stripped away from it when it was cleaned up. So then you just yeah. get these like little pieces that are kind of meaningless that are all there. And it's sort of like, Oh, that could be interesting, but then you don't get any, you don't get enough of literally anything. And I, I don't think the one, like, I don't think the one big idea or the two big ideas that this movie, I think is trying to like push forward 
are necessarily like that strong or maybe the ones that would have worked best, honestly. Like, I think this movie has a bazillion themes and explores a bazillion things, but all so lightly that they're not in the way, right? Like they're not, they're not necessarily like, like you said, it's not a mess, but like when you, when you're paying attention, you can be like, Oh, it's interesting. Like, okay, here's a perfect example, right? There's a scene in this movie where, where Papa takes Arlo out to this field in, in the night and shows him that scary things can be magical. If you just sort of, confront your fears and sort of like make yourself open to Mm -hmm. something that might freak you out. Right. That's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. It's not really like, even though fear is a huge part of this movie, that particular scene, that sort of like magic that is in that scene really isn't part of the movie, you know? And, And Peter Stone has talked about like the magic of nature, but like, that's not really part of this movie. Nature yeah. is like the antagonist. And everything that Arlo kind of. <laughs> learns about dealing with his fear really ends up coming from the T-Rexes and how they deal with how acknowledging fear. Like that that ends up being I think what what the way that the way that Arlo like interacts with fear and his the actions he takes in the climax are more related to what he learns from the T-Rexes than it is from his own father, which feels very weird to me (laughs) yeah yes i agree and and that is that i think that's where we should go but there's as i was listening to interviews and reading articles and stuff and and grabbing quotes and stuff a number this movie was described so many different ways right like usually when i'm listening to directors talk about the movie or like john lasseter talk about a movie that director's working on there's usually like two or three things that come up right this is a movie about aging this is a movie about um you know emotions this is a movie about uh, like our fears in response to monsters and and what like there's usually like a, a very specific thing or two. Mm-hmm. This was described as a coming of age movie. It's a movie about fear. It's a movie about nature as the antagonist and adventure. That there's magic in the world if you're willing to look for it. Peter Stone calls it a boy and his dog movie. Uh, yeah. Um, it's also like, it's, it's, also it's like a what if movie. It's a Western. Like it, it's so many things, but yeah. so lightly that like the main thing kind of comes through. Right. But the main thing ends up being sort of a plot, not a theme. And that's very weird for a Pixar movie. It is. Yeah. And that's the thing is that like a lot of, you can, you can get by having like sort of paper thin things as long as you have something else to compensate it. Like Arlo's cars Two. cars yeah. Two is a very plot driven movie and you can pull the themes out of it, but it's, sure. it's a plot driven movie. And it's not a great sure. example because people don't like that movie. But I think as far as Pixar goes, it's the closest you're going to get to a yeah. movie that succeeds at what it's trying to do. And what it's trying to do is tell a story that yeah. is very plot driven. And you know, it feels, yeah, I mean, it feels, it feels a lot richer and it's, it is way funnier than this movie is like this one. It's sort of like, the the you could you could get away with maybe like the emptiness of the world and the plot if arlo as a character was a lot more interesting or a lot richer or more unique or conversely you could get away with arlo being a very basic i mean i don't like to be too down on it but like i feel like arlo as a character is not really is not interesting to me at all it's just super basic he's a child they literally have like his dad die as a as an origin story for him which is all so the most like cliche thing ever and his mm-hmm. whole thing is just like i'm scared i need to learn to not be scared because i'm it's a coming of age story but you could get away with a very basic 
premise like that, plenty of character, plenty of plenty of uh, of great movies have that character element to it. Um, you could get away with that being paper thin if like if the world around him was really rich or the things that happen to him are really entertaining and really funny. Like as long as you have something to kind of balance it out, it's great. But as it stands, it's like pretty paper thin character, super basic character journey. That's like incredibly predictable that you've seen a million times in a world that doesn't really offer that much. Like, yeah. yeah. Which again is why it ends up just all feeling very empty. Yeah. Well, and it's frustrating. Cause like, as I was watching this movie, I was trying to think of other movies that it reminded me of. Um, and all of these comparisons are going to, feel like like i'm making these comparisons and acknowledging that this movie does not live up to those right so i'm not trying to compare it to any of these legendary movies for anybody who's like how dare you but like it reminds me in a way of dumbo it reminds me of a way in a way of like finding nemo it reminds me in a way of movies like not that this is legendary but like homeward bound or like oh yeah kids kid lost in the woods like i was absolutely thinking I was absolutely thinking of Homeward Bound while I was yeah. watching this. Yeah. 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 But each one of those movies, I think, focuses far more deeply on the thing that it's trying to explore, right? If you're talking mm-hmm. about Dumbo, which is the first one I thought of, because there are a number of similarities here. And I was not surprised to learn uh, that at the time of making this movie, Peter Stone had like a Dumbo figure on his like work desk or whatever um which is just a a thing that came up in an interview unrelated to the development of this but i was like that doesn't surprise me because i was thinking about dumbo but like Mm -hmm. arlo is this this like clumsy weird sort of like uh young kid born at the beginning of the film that everybody makes fun of and is given sort of a task uh, and fails at it and is separated from a parent that he is trying to uh, impress or be close to uh, is exploited uh, or is attempted to be exploited along the way meets characters that try to teach it like but Dumbo is like a very rich world and it's mm-hmm. full of songs like which yeah. really help <laughs> yeah. it's also only an hour long oh my God. Um, so like in that regard if it were trying to go that route I know Pixar doesn't do musicals but like if you're gonna do that, if it's yeah. gonna be fully that, like go all in. If it's gonna, if it's coming from a place of admiration for a movie like Dumbo, then then make it a musical. What a, it's, it's a thing I'm I would never this. say about Pixar, but like yeah. make it a musical. You know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't think like adding some Randy Newman songs with lyrics would have hurt this movie. I think. <laughs> Maybe helped it feel a little more full of something. I'm thinking more along the lines of... I know what you're saying. Maybe somebody along... Like, <laughs> some Broadway folks instead. Sure. But no, yes, that's what I, I agree mean, with you. But, like, but I'm some, saying, some like, very literal sort of like, sing to me what you're feeling Disney yeah. Renaissance style stuff could have right. worked. Because you can if get away with really kind of basic plots if you have that element to it like a lot of classic disney movies aren't complex movies at all no they're fairy tales that you tell people in like 10 minutes right it's just but but what makes it feel like such a rich movie is that you do have like these musical sequences that are really elegantly choreographed and like it is just and and you you feel like you feel like the characters are richer than they really are because you're hearing them literally sing like their Mm -hmm. heart's desires to you um so again yeah i don't know like I don't, I, I, it, yeah, I don't know if they ever would have made this a musical, but no. I think it just speaks to like how much this movie is missing of something. Like it needs well, something. That's <laughs> why I bring it up. Right. Cause there are all these movies that I thought about and that was one of them. And I was trying to figure out like, okay, where does Dumbo succeed that this is not succeeding? And then I thought about finding Nemo. We talked all about how nature is terrifying in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's not even necessarily the first thing you think of, but it's, it truly is one of yeah. the 
the two or three big things that that movie is about is how scary nature is. This movie doesn't even make it feel that scary because it's not populated. Like they they don't make the world scary. They make it beautiful. And it's so bizarre because when they do introduce character, the few times that there are other characters in this movie are times when I think the movie really shines. Agreed. But then for some reason it's like like uh um the 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 what is his name Forrest Woodbush, right? The dude with all the animals? Yeah. On his head? Voiced by Peter Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that moment. Really was expecting him to come back later at some point, or but nope, it's like 30 seconds he along for the journey for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's or, weird none of the characters that Arlo meets along the way really aside from spot really join him for any significant period of the journey, which isn't required in a story like this, but this story is missing so many things that it's so easy for us to think of like, why didn't you do that though? Yeah. Or if you're not going to have them join them for the journey, then like pack more, make, make it a movie full of these interesting vignettes where he meets lots of different dinosaurs. Like it's, it's gotta be one or the other, right? Like it feels like the movie is trying to make it kind of this, old fashioned, like almost epic kind of movie where it's someone journeying doesn't across. It doesn't feel like an odyssey across, though. Right. That's the thing is that like, it seems like they want it to be kind of an, like an odyssey. I think that's a great way to put it where he's meeting these different characters and having these little different, mini, different mini adventures on his way home. Except like there's only like two or three like little interactions that he has throughout mm-hmm. this movie. Like it's not enough. So you got to have one or the other and they choose this weird middle ground where it just ends up feeling like nothing's happening. It's really weird. Part of me wonders like if this movie could have just been temporarily shelved and just worked on, like if they had been willing to say like, you know what? We believe that there's something here. We just haven't found it. And so we're going to keep working on it. Yeah. I wonder if, if out, out of the context of some of the movies that it's surrounded by, if they would have gotten out of their own way, because Finding Dory, which is what we're going to talk about next, is like also about finding your way back home. Like Mm -hmm. it's literally the next movie. You know what I mean? Hmm. And then, you know, it's right up against and was announced alongside this like incredibly high concept. And this I think should have worked, which is what's really weird. Introduced and and released right up against this incredibly high concept abstract piece of (laughs) animation art in Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Um and, and I don't think there should have been any sort of crossover or effectedness from that. But like, it just makes me wonder sometimes about like, if this had just given a been given a moment to like rest and be outside the context of everything that was surrounding it at the time. And mm-hmm. I know that's not how this stuff works, right? You know, like, you know that there are people crunching numbers saying like, no, you got to release this movie in the next however many years. Like, yeah. you can't just not, you know? Yeah. Well, but and- it just, it, there's an alternate reality where this movie got to breathe and where where it was it was put away and somebody revisited it kind of like Wally honestly except they never announced Wally that's where it benefited right no yeah. one knew that they were constantly revisiting this idea of Wally but yeah. i don't know i it's 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 so strange and it's so upsetting cuz it's it, again the ideas a, a boy and his dog movie that's such a fun thing and it's right in line with with the remember those three movies we talked about that were sort of homages to film right a boy and his dog movie would have been great too yeah <laughs> as you like an even, homage film or a yeah, western you're a western yeah <laughs> right it's like when when they and, and when those moments are like embraced that's when the movie's at its best right like the emotional core of the movie has nothing to do with Arlo and his dad. I feel like even as much as they try to push that, like I didn't feel any of that shit. Cause I'm just like, I've seen this a million times before or whatever. Yeah. The emotional stuff from the, any emotional thing from the movie is Arlo and spot. Um, and really, I mean, 
it's not even really played that emotional until like the kind of the very end. Like I did get, I did get emotional when spot like finds this, his new human family. Like I, I like that a lot. I think that was Mm -hmm. actually really well executed. I think that moment is extremely effective. Um, it's helped by like Arlo and spot being the only two characters in the movie that seem to have like any relationship that I care about. Yeah. So, you know, it made that sad. Like that is very effective, but even that, like, I don't feel like you really felt it almost is sort of like by default, it's the most emotional moment because there's like nothing else there for the characters, you know? And then once that's over, it's like, Oh, Arlo returned home. Okay. I mean, cool. Like I didn't really feel anything about the actual ending about the movie, you know? Um, because I, 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 it just, I, I felt like there should have been, there was something else that needed to happen or like, I was also, I mean, I was getting it a little bit in my head by the end of it, but it's also like, okay, but isn't his family like still about to starve and we're low on food and the snow came early and like that he was missing this whole time. So he couldn't help them with the crops. So aren't they just going to starve? Like I was expecting him to have maybe found another food source for them or something like that. But then like, why is he making his mark? Because like what, according well, as far his family, as his family doesn't even know what he did. That's what I'm saying. As far as his family knows, he just left and then came back. Like, I, I don't know. Like it, it all think... just feels very empty to me. And it's sort of like, I'll, I'll hone in on the spot Arlo scene. Cause that seems really good. But then like nothing about that is anywhere near as effective as that scene ever is. And that's not even supposed to really be like the actual most like high emotional point of the movie. I feel like, well, here's the thing that's so strange to me. You, you mentioned the Mark thing, right? If the first time you're watching this movie, I imagine, and you can confirm this for me or deny that this is the case, but like I imagine that when you first start watching this movie, you you're introduced to this this character who's afraid and clumsy, right? And then you learn about this idea that like you can make your mark. Granted, this is coming out of nowhere. It's not established as part of a society or a culture, which I think is a misstep. It 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 doesn't mean anything, but but they tell you it means something, right? So this idea of making your mark. Yeah, literally, so like, literally making your mark. Like. Right. <laughs> literally making your mark. And then yeah. the, the father even says, like, you'll earn your mark when you 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 accomplish something bigger than yourself, right? Okay, great. You've told us. Yeah. You've told us what this movie is going to be about. This clumsy, scared character. And they and and then there's a, you know, a little bit later, this, he specifically says, like, you can't be afraid of everything. Okay, great. Everything's set up. There's a scared character who's clumsy, who who wants to make his mark, is struggling to do so. He gets lost from his family and has to find his way home. Clearly, he's going to do something in front of his family or that his yeah. family will witness <laughs> where they can see him overcoming his fear or they've seen the product of this journey. And that's how he makes his mark because he's yeah. now the protector of the farm, right? Like the brother is a builder the sister is a is a farmer and he is a protector especially in the in the absence of his father like that would have that would have yeah. all tied together perfectly sure but it doesn't it it, it just shows it, up it, and they're like okay cool you earned it cuz you came home hope you did something which, i just assume that you did something cool out there buddy there you go which would have been fine if they didn't introduce the idea of making your mark in the first place if it was yeah. if it was a purely plot driven movie where the sort of main theme was man or in this case dinosaur versus nature which can mm-hmm. be a perfectly fine theme you know like <laughs> it can be perfectly perfectly adequate especially when you sort of make it a buddy buddy film or a boy and his dog film or whatever like then then him getting home would have been an accomplishment enough yeah <laughs> but they decided to make it mean something bigger yeah it, it it's 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 really strange Honestly, like the more I think about this movie, the more it kind of upsets me because it's such yeah. like, a waste. 
of a movie, you know, like not, I don't, I don't mean that it was like, that sounds even harsher than I mean it to, to mean, but like, it feels like it just, it wasted so much potential in so many different areas. It's not just like, Oh, you had a great concept and execute it. Well, it's like, no, there's a million different potential ideas and threads. You could have gone down and done it really well. Mm -hmm. And you didn't do any of them well at all. I just, I I just, it baffles me. I mean, I don't envy Peter Sohn, right? Like he was hired to do a specific thing. And that was to take what sounded like an overcomplicated mess. And and we don't know what the overcomplicated mess is. That's one of the biggest challenges of like trying to figure out, this movie is that all the all the main players still work at Pixar outside of like John Lasseter and he I don't think he was a main player on this this movie like he was too busy you know what I mean sure but I'm sure he was one of the hands that was in the pot at some point yeah um but everybody's still there no one's gonna no one's no one is in a place where they're gonna tell like the full true you know, beyond the NDA story of like what happened behind the scenes. No one, Bob Peterson still works at Pixar and, and, and like, why would, and it's, it, he has an investment in not being humiliated by this. Right. So like, of course. he's not going to be the one to tell us what, what his idea was. Peter Stone's not going to throw him under the bus and say what the idea was there. There, I saw some people talking about like, at some point they did explore a sort of dinosaur society, but also a human society. I couldn't find where that was sourced though. So I don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see where if this movie was trying to explore dinosaur society and human society and what this person said was like an undisclosed third big, whatever, which, sure. which is why it's impossible to know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> I could see, like you can start to see where things get complicated. Right. But yeah, but again, no one's no one's gonna say what it was. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no reason for anybody to divulge that, yeah. especially when most people have forgotten about this movie anyway. <laughs> they're right. Probably they're probably happy to let people forget. Yeah, I mean, you know, for good reason, I think. But like, I it's I, you know, it's a grass is always greener thing. But like, I almost would have rathered a sort of overcomplicated mess of a movie that isn't executed well, but at least like has a bunch of ideas in it, than like something like this where. It just feels very <laughs> it's I, I, like clean, but very without anything of substance. I, barely. What's weird is I imagine Pixar and I don't know, but I imagine Pixar probably feels the opposite, right? Because they've sure. never released anything that's just like a mess. Yeah. Like their yeah. worst things are still clean. Like this is still cl- mostly clean. Yeah. I mean, every mostly clean. Yeah. I still think there, I still think it was a mistake to introduce the idea of making your mark because I don't think that that cleanly ties up, but, but it's all but kind but of on a thematic like, level, like plot wise. Yeah. It, it all makes sense. There's, there's not, there's not like weird holes. There's not like leaps of logic or anything. It's just that nothing is particularly interesting that, that is on screen most of the time. <laughs> well, nothing is, I think nothing has a lasting interest. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah, things that are happening on that's screen better. that you're like, Oh yes. Okay. We're here. Right. Like you said, like, like forest, the, the Peter Stone character that's collecting all the, the animals yeah, and talking to these animals. Really funny. That's really interesting. Great. I, like I think, Pixar humor in that scene too. Totally. Totally. I think the idea of the Tyrannosaurus Rex is being, ranchers Mm -hmm. is like it poses a lot of questions i was i was interested you know what i mean you got sam elliott to play a mm t-rex a t-rex cowboy like that's cool as hell i love yeah and i knew it was him like immediately and you always do with him right like it's it's what's funny about him playing any character like even this t-rex you could barely see his eyes (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is just who sam elliott is isn't it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's Um, perfect but then like 
I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 weird. There's it, it's it's so strange to have a movie that feels simultaneously very empty, but also full of interesting things. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what other movie really makes me feel that way because it usually feels like either an overcomplicated mess that may or may not be fun. Like sometimes overcomplicated messes are really fun. Sure. Or it's like boring and I just don't care about any of it. Yeah. And like in this case, it's not that I don't care about anything. It's it's actually that I want more of certain things. Well, I think part of it too might be it's hard to separate the knowledge that this is a Pixar movie. So you're always expecting a little more totally. Pixar. You're always kind of trusting them. So like it's you're watching and it's sort of like I know that you're smart enough to do something with this. Am I missing something? Or And then you realize that you're not, but like you're, you're, you're always kind of, the bar is always a little higher for Pixar movie. I think we talked about that maybe with the brave episode, I think where, or, or the cars episodes uh, where it's just like, it's not so much that these are like flat out bad movies. If another studio made it, it, you might not have the same, you might have a more positive feeling. It's just, you know, what Pixar is capable of, you know, the people that are working on this and you know that it can be something that's better than what you're watching right now. Yeah. I think with cars too, I think I made the bold claim that if any other animation studio made it at the time that they made it, it would have been like a triumph for that studio. You know what I mean? Sure. This yeah. one doesn't feel like that would be the case. Um, yeah, although I think no. it would be a perfectly acceptable movie or but a serviceable movie, but it still would have been, been memorable. Forgotten. It still would have been forgotten. Exactly. Yeah. So this is okay. This is why I said this episode could be an important one for us. What I think here's, here's a question I want to ask you. What does this movie feeling so distinctly not Pixar in so many ways or being the movie that Pixar made that is the most forgettable or succeeds the least perhaps or what, however you want to label it. Mm. What does this movie tell us about like what, cause we've, we've sort of danced around this before, but we've never really identified does this movie like clarify what a Pixar movie is? Um, like I think what it, makes a movie a Pixar movie? I don't know if it clear. I don't know if I have a like universal theory on it or anything. I think, but I I think that there are certain elements that to me are a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. I I think I have always taken Pixar's humor for granted. And I think in this movie, because it's a devoid of so much humor for so much of it. And like when the humor appears it's like very clearly feels like pixar humor i think it makes it, I, I think that makes it very evident that there is a very particular humor style that pixar has that is very witty and it's like not not as on the pop culture kind of side as like a dreamworks movie or sony movie mm-hmm. might be but like has a little bit of that and is like has a little more edginess than than, than like Dis, like a typical disney movie does mm-hmm. um and there, so it's sort of like that interesting and, and it's always like kind of pretty smart humor, but never pretentiously smart humor. You know, um, it's still humor that like you as a child are going to laugh at. Yeah. Um, and I think like Pixar humor strikes that middle ground really, really well. And I think like it, it and I think that it's very necessary for Pixar movies, too, because I think you can sort of get away with like a more melancholy movie like Toy Story 3 or like aspects of Up. Uh, because it's still there's still a lot of like really good humor in it. Um, and this movie is kind of often kind of melancholy for for big chunks of it, but doesn't have that humor, and I think it really really suffers for it. So I think that the humor is is a is a is a much bigger part of Pixar movie that I that I really have ever really thought about. Mm-hmm. That's just one piece of it. Though. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, um, totally. Um, I, I, think, I think that 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 Pixar movies have very strong themes typically yeah, too. That's exactly what I was going to say next. I think, with the exception so far of what we've covered, I think with the exception of Cars Two, which we even identified like pretty pretty like solid themes for, like we were able to mm-hmm. to draw them out of it. But again, that's a plot driven movie. I think with that with that being the exception, 
I think every movie has like very strong focused themes, whether they totally land exactly on their bullseye mark or not. Like you can always tell what the theme of that movie is or one of two themes of that movie is. Yeah, I would agree. I would fully agree with that. I think that those are two very important points because like, obviously Pixar also is like very forward with forward with technology and everything. Mm -hmm. But at this point, so many other studios have kind of caught up with Pixar as well that like, I don't think that that's necessarily a defining factor anymore. I think we're seeing that. I think not that we're not that we discuss like Pixar in the present day until we get to those movies. But like, I think if you look at the movies that we have recently gotten and are about to get, like, I think they've learned that lesson, right? Like we have to, we can't just be the movie that makes the prettiest things that look right. the most real anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I, but, but I think it's interesting, like knowing that now, especially with a movie like this, that does nail its landscapes. Oh you my know, God. The water looks seriously like actual water. Yeah. Like it's but, funny. Like, okay. Finding Nemo still looks and ages incredibly well, but it's so funny to like watch that movie and have us be like, oh my God, this water looks real. And then watch this movie and be like, oh wait, no, that's what real water looks like. <laughs> right, oh, that's right. right. That's what water does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all that's to say that like we have a movie that does nail that and still doesn't really feel like a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. So I think it's clear that that's not as big of a, uh, that's not as, as, as important uh, an aspect of a Pixar movie's identity as I think you might initially expect it to be. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think characters is obviously a huge thing. That's not unique to Pixar, but I do think Pixar typically nails that. It's not yeah. like a unique to Pixar characteristic, but their batting average is pretty unique. Yeah. And this really is like the, th- I think this movie really sort of like is maybe the one thing that prevents them from having a thousand batting average because I don't think Arlo is an especially likable character no. for the vast majority of the movie. Yeah. And and I, I think it's okay to start with a character that's not that likable, especially mm-hmm. if they're supposed to be overcoming fear yeah. and they're supposed to be against the odds competing against nature to get home. Right. Like, sure. You know, like they don't need to start like, like start off likable. Yeah. But or I don't if think he was he ever playing really... off of other characters mm-hmm. throughout the movie too, to, to sort it's, of make the uh, dynamic make more sense. It's something. also weird. I think to make a child, your main character, who's not that likable. Yeah, like it's like okay it. to have a child that's not likable. It's okay to have a main character that's not likable. I think it's weird to have a child main character that's not that likable. Yeah, I don't think that kids would really like him either because, like, I, I I could see it even maybe like his journey could be relatable for a kid, but like a kid's I, I think kids still want their characters to be kind of cool and fun, and Arlo just isn't really like. <laughs> Like, you know, I, I, you know? <laughs> the, he needed to have like a hint of something he was particularly good at that people didn't understand yeah. or something that like we could sort of latch on to. I, I, I don't know. I didn't think enough about like what it is about Arlo that that doesn't come across as very likable. Um, but I part of it is like spot to him other than being a kid. Sure. Sure. I think I think the other thing, too, is like spot is likable, but but pretty one note. Yeah. So, like, you have this other character who's, like, more likable than your main character, but who isn't even, like, a fleshed-out character. He's only likable <laughs> because like, he's literally just a dog. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. This is this is maybe just a me thing, but I really struggle with like it. buying their dynamic because it's supposed to be a boy. I, I get where they thought this was clever. Yeah. I wonder if this resonates with a lot of people or not. It doesn't resonate with me specifically, but I don't think I'm willing to make that as, like, 
a universal statement of like, this doesn't work. I would need to hear from more people. But mm-hmm. for me personally, it's hard for me to buy into the idea that this dinosaur that's walking on four legs and still is forced to sort of use its animal characteristics to function in the world is like the human figure yeah. and this human figure that for the mo- is like 50% human and 50% dog it's is weird. like the dog. Like there's something about it that doesn't No. Like the spot is more dog than Arlo is human. So it doesn't feel like a full flip. It's a weird concept honestly, like no matter what. I think what's I think that you could have made the fun weird flip of a boy and his dog concept work if if Arlo uh, were a dog. <laughs> well that's what, i mean i was uh, actually that's that's even that's great actually because like, i was thinking like like you really the dinosaur aspect like you could flip all of these dinosaurs out for just any animal and i think it, it and it wouldn't really be a very different okay movie. actually that's a big question that i had is there anything about this movie that makes arlo being a dinosaur necessary to this story and spot being a human necessary to no, the story i was thinking about this while i was watching it actually that was a thought that i had once i kind of got to the the midway point it became very clear that there wasn't just not actually going to be a lot of dinosaurs in this dinosaur movie called the good dinosaur like there's no reason why it couldn't have been any talking animal movie there's absolutely no reason for it there, and i don't like, understand there's not why fun... spot is a human other than they thought it was funny for a human to be a dog yeah right Exactly. That's There's all nothing is. essential about his humanness. And it doesn't make sense either. Like, you know, I, I, again, I know that like they're not being scientific about evolution or whatever, but it, they it, don't need to be. <laughs> they don't need to be like, I, I'm fine with that. But but it is it is kind of hard to separate. Like when you know that humans evolve from primates that like why? Like it would make sense if your caveman type people were more primate like so Mm -hmm. where does the dog thing come from other than the joke like you were saying of it being what if a boy and his dog were flipped but then it's not really flipped because arlo isn't really much of a person so it's it just feels really underbaked and it feels like a really like quick joke that someone wrote down and never thought through beyond that and it ends up just being kind of weird and confusing and like the stuff that they do with spot is kind of funny the animation on him is is good when they make him act like a dog and it's funny seeing him do dog like stuff but it never really makes any sense and it doesn't have to make sense if you sort of use it in a good way and they don't really use it in a good way it just never makes sense and it's never very funny spot feels like a good character in a movie that was about cavemen like if if all the other cavemen were more human like and there was one character who was also a human but just acted like a dog yeah that would have worked (laughs) i kind of expected Arlo to meet Spot's family like maybe they weren't dead or something and they were just going to be like a lot more civilized cave people and they learned to work together or something and that's how they would solve Arlo's family's food problems or something mm-hmm. but no the well and the humans family, we do meet don't all act like dogs they do kind of act like wolf, a little bit wolf, they act like wolf like but if you think of like the father figure in that like in that unit mm-hmm. like he's pretty human like that's like, true like uh, I don't know, but I guess but I guess like Spot is too. So I don't know. It's really confusing. It's it's strange. I think that's actually a good example of one thing I was having a hard time articulating as far as like the 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 so many hands, not making it necessarily complicated, but like not fleshed out. Like it feels yeah. like that's a relic of the original idea, right? The idea that there's a dinosaur and a and a caveman boy that become best friends, and somewhere yeah. along the way, that probably inspired idea 
lost its inspiration. Sure. Kind of like the idea of dinosaurs evolving to become agriculturalists. Yeah. Inspired idea lost its inspiration along the way. Nature being the antagonist, maybe not an inspired idea, but a rich idea sure. that sort of lost its richness along the way. Like, I think that's what it is to me as far as like people put ingredients in the pot and then all those things just got boiled down to like so little, but they're still kind of there enough that you are like, oh, oh yeah, that's in there too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't well, know either. <laughs> it's 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 strange. It's strange. I do think, you know, I, I it's it's frustrating because having watched this a second time, because I really had only seen it one time. And I, I do remember kind of my impressions from the first time. I searched. I I look I looked at both my Facebook and my Twitter to see if I had ever commented on having watched this because it would have been in the era of me on social media, um, like easily searchable. I never tweeted or made any posts on Facebook about it. Um, but I do, cause I was like, I remember what I felt, but like memories are so unreliable that yeah. I would love to have some sort of written documentation. Right. Um, I do remember thinking a, a couple things sort of positively about it that I sort of, I think just took with me. And that was sort of my impression, right. It was like, it's not a bad movie. Cause I remember these particular things about it. I remember it being sort of haunting at times and really appreciating that. Like hmm. when he has his vision of his father, when he's knocked out, sure. I felt like that was really haunting. And I, I like that. I thought that was yeah. really cool. And I wish there were more of that. Um, and I remember it being really beautiful. I remember spot being kind of funny. And like, I think those are the things I kind of carried with me watching it again. Like I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be a little less uh, liberal with the assertion that Pixar's never, never really made a bad movie. Not again, not cause I think this is bad, but, but I don't think it's good. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's, 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 yeah. it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's, it's a bump on this journey. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I have no interest in ever watching it again. And I don't know that I'll ever think, I about, do. think about it. I, I really know. do. That's what's weird is like, I, I do want to watch it again. Not immediately. Right. Like this is, it is a thinker still for me, but it's not a thinker in the way that I normally think about Pixar movies. It's, it's a very different kind of thinker for me. I just felt like it was kind of daunting to watch, to be honest. Like, it's also paced kind of weird, too, I, I think. Um, like, one of the notes that I made early on, so it was obviously, like, I think by the end of the movie, it doesn't, they think it settles into a pace that makes more sense, even if they feel like it's a little too slow. But, like, there is weirdness even at the beginning, because you sort of get the sort of, it. It's almost feels like at first that it was going to be you were going to be skipping through a number of years and seeing the kids kind of grow up a little bit. Right. Like and then then they'd be like a teenager as a main character. That's mm -hmm. what I thought it was going for. Um, and then it has like a dead stop where Arlo when Arlo is like however old he is, like seven or not eight or nine or something like that. And you have his dad dying, which is like a pivotal moment. And then it seems like there's a bit of a time skip, which is sort of like, oh, that's kind of jarring, but like, okay, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes from here. But then it's like literal minutes after that time skip, then Arlo is sort of like plunged into his like journey for the rest of the movie where he's back at the river again, uh, back onto it again. And it's like, it feels like the sort of, be it just feels kind of disjointed the way it's paced, right? Because I feel like the the there there needed to be more time after his dad died after post time skip um because as it stands it sort of feels like you just sort of skip forward to 
the plot of the movie after the origin story without any kind of buffer in between it to sort of see what life is really like for them other than like one super brief conversation with his mom. Um, and I don't know, like, I guess that to me felt like once, once I learned that this has been sort of reworked a lot, it almost felt like we were seeing remnants of the more epic version of this movie that maybe was a little more fuller that did show a little more of Arlo's home life at the beginning and had a little more pieces of that. And we maybe potentially could have seen more stuff after his dad died before he was like sort of plunged into, uh, you know, into the plot of the movie, because I think that a, a, another big weakness of it is that I don't really feel like I get a sense of his like connection with his family beyond you know, his connection with his dad because his dad literally died, you know? See, that's what's so fascinating to me about this movie is like, I would have thought of a totally different way to sort of make the pacing work, I think, for a successful version of this movie that's like different, right? I Like to me, everything leading up to the sort of plot of the movie took way too long. Like I think if you're going to do it, sure. like make it happen really fast and make the whole sort of, start of what his journey is like be more about mourning and be more about like that feeling of lost and then maybe some of your empty world makes a little bit more sense but like that's what i'm saying is like i think this movie feels so empty in such a way that like you could ask 50 different people to sort of make this movie work and they're all going to come up with like a different way that probably works successfully like that's how much room there is in this movie to tweak things. And I know that part of the part of the reason that everything got recast and got redone is like they would make a tweak and then that would change something else. And then they would make a right. tweak and that would change something else. But then they got rid of so much that like you could tweak anything. It doesn't really affect that much because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you got so much room to make the tweak. So yeah. I don't know. I think to me, that's what makes it fascinating. It's one of the reasons sure. I do want to rewatch it is to sort of like identify what all those empty parts are and try to like distill it down to something that makes a little bit more sense sort Mm -hmm. of in spite of itself, you know? Yeah. Um, But I I wouldn't be rewatching it with the idea that like, I'm, I'm not rewatch when I do eventually rewatch it. It's not going to be purely for pleasure, which is the reason I would (laughs) rewatch any other Pixar movie. Right. You know what I mean? It's, It's sort of like an intellectual stimulation, but not like just purely sitting down to like, enjoy it. I and think it would be a really that's a problem. I think it would be a really fun writing exercise to watch this movie and try to like f- fix it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or not yeah, even a, not even necessarily fix it, but just be like just identify the spaces that you can add more to. Yeah, yeah. Just fill it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. really interesting. It's very yeah, uh, yeah. It's interesting, weird, strange, confusing, but definitely. Are there highlights we can sort of end on? Because I have a feeling we don't have that much more to say. I know. Um, I can't believe you cast Frances McDormand in a role and completely, utterly waste her. Make that I... honestly was furious when I realized that she was playing the mom because I didn't get that until I saw her name and I was like, "That's who you had playing that like nothing character." Are you kidding me? Oh, I think they know. I think they know because she's literally the only person who survived the casting purge. She's literally the only person really? that survived that. They got I rid of every that. single person except for her. Wow. Like Neil Patrick Harris was supposed to be in this movie. Um uh what's his face? Um oh my gosh. Uh, uh Bill Hader was supposed to be in this oh, movie, wow. which is actually kind of wild when you think about it cuz he was also an in inside out. But Yeah. Um but yeah, it's just it's like she's the only one that survived. So I think they know, but then they didn't do <laughs> they still didn't get anything, anything with her. Yeah. Oh, that like infuriates me so much. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but I do like, I do really like Sam Elliott's character. I think he's sure. very fun. I, I wish I, I 
really wish that they had been there for the rest of his oh, yeah. journey, if or or at least a more significant piece of it. Yeah. Um, because they were clearly supposed to be sort of his like. Well, it's weird though, because like they couldn't have been his adopted family. He still had family to go home to. Whatever. I also all, really enjoyed yeah. Butch's kids. I thought I thought the kid T Rexes were really funny. Yeah, all the, the whole T Rex family was really fun. I would have liked to have more time with them. I think that their designs are the best designs, probably, mm-hmm. of all the characters, because um, they are like distinct. That's the other thing is like even with Arlo's family, like I couldn't tell the difference between his the, anyone in his family. They oh, the same. <laughs> I wouldn't like, go that far. I can tell who they are. Shades. <laughs> They're like slight shades of green different and slight size differences. I'm going to give them way more credit than you're giving them. They do have different like anatomical shapes. Their, their snouts are all shaped differently. Their proportions are all different. Their shades are all different. Barely. I think the the T-Rexes are harder to identify than, than the Apatosauruses are. Whatever you say, whatever you say. (laughs) I, I'm not willing to, to discredit that much of, of their design work. Yeah, whatever. Um, I will say all the other dinosaurs, aside from those two though, I, I could never have identified any of the other dinosaurs, right? So we have like the Velociraptors, which I would have never known were Velociraptors, Mm-mm. which are the ones that invade the the cattle farm. Those were largely nothing characters to me. Yeah. Um, I did like Thunderclap kind of. I, I actually I like was the really, idea. I like the idea and I wish that they had made them scarier, honestly, yes. because I think the moment where they're uh, inverted sharks flying mm-hmm. in the clouds, good, good shit, brilliant, really good. Really good. Br- that's Pixar shit right there. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I just would have liked more of, them. I wish they had been main antagonists. Why not? Like if mm-hmm. nature's not actually the antagonist, just make them the antagonist. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought Steve Zahn did a really good job. My biggest complaint with them though is that their eyes are yellow and red, which gives away immediately that they're going to be bad guys. And they're not introduced as bad guys. And it's just such a, I know it's like a very traditional animation thing to do. So it's like almost an homage, but like, we don't need to keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I think the turn would have been good if you really legitimately didn't expect it. Especially Uh, if they had been the first found family along the way. And then the T-Rexes, which are, supposed to be scary ended up not being scary yeah. and were the second found family along the way you know you oh, sort of like that. invert expectations there but i, I you know oh, that's that but i but so i good. liked some of the ideas that they had with with the uh the flying scary ones sure um, and i will shout out one of the voices for the flying scary ones is uh stephen clay hunter who is the director of the spark short out which everybody should watch. It's very sweet. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's gay. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't realize that. Nice. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Considering this is a movie of dinosaurs and I know that they could have merchandised the hell out of this. If it was successful, there are not nearly enough dinosaurs to merchandise in it, which dinosaurs no are the easiest thing to sell. Absolutely. What a whiff. What a, what a whiff on that. Cause even if this movie tanked, like you could have still maybe recouped some of that with just selling dinosaur yeah. toys and there are barely even dinosaurs in this movie. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Well, w- okay. So here's the thing that I kept saying I was going to bring up and I'll finally bring it up here. Cause this is the one other thing I sort of remembered. And one of the most immediate things I felt when this movie came out that made me worried even at the time. And I was shocked to learn how much they spent on marketing that they did not make back. I mean, when mm-hmm. I say box office bomb, like this movie did not make its money back in production costs and marketing costs. Like it literally lost Pixar money, which Pixar doesn't do. Sure. Um, and it's the thing that Pixar had been afraid of for, it's the thing every single director at Pixar had been saying they were afraid of uh, since Pix- since Toy Story, honestly. And 
poor Peter's son ended up with the unfortunate distinction of being of helming the ship that did it. I'm not willing to blame him. No, uh, he no. seems lovely and incredibly talented. Um, he, he was he cleaned up a mess. It seems <laughs> like poor guy. the best that he could. I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at. I don't think anybody in particular is to blame. I think it really is just. Yeah a collective just a collective yeah. whiff on everyone's parts but i was shocked to know how much they spent on marketing because even at the time i was like you just released inside out and i've spent six months of this year and probably some of the last year watching your advertising for inside out the marketing for that was really memorable i thought mm. and they used really popular songs that were like yeah that that uh, you know, now I like I I can envision them and the the trailers that came with it. I don't remember like any marketing from Good Dinosaur, and I remember at the time thinking like, this movie is getting fucked over because you just spent the whole year advertising Inside Out, and then and I I get where this ends up happening. It's not the only time Pixar sort of had this timeline, but then you have this tiny sort of advertising window for this movie, and I I just feel like you didn't you didn't tell us it was happening. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I never saw the trailer for it or if I did, I didn't remember it at all. The only trailer I remember like distinctly remember, I'm sure I saw other ones just cause again, I was paying attention and probably looking for them, but like, like specifically cause it was Pixar, um, not as a grander statement, but like mm -hmm. the only one I remember is the asteroid flying past the earth. Like that's the only one I remember. And that was a teaser. That wasn't like a trailer. Huh. So I don't know. It's just, but, but that's the thing. Like when I kept mentioning marketing, like I distinctly remember at the time feeling like this movie got shafted because inside out came before it and they spent so much time. And I know that wasn't the initial plan, but sure. Still it, I yeah. don't know. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Then again, they probably also were hoping that maybe they could coast a little bit because you literally just have to have the word dinosaur and look, have a dinosaur on a poster. And that's like going to attract tons of kids and it, theoretically. And it's so. a Pixar movie on uh, like during the holidays, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But wait, when did the force awakens come out? Oh, that was Christmas. That was Christmas. And I think it was this year, but I think it was Christmas. Yeah. Was that this year or was that? Yeah. That was, tw that was 2015. Okay. Yeah. So they avoided that at least. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it was all Disney. So they weren't going to compete with themselves. Right. Oh yeah. Yo, 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 you got yeah. anything else for this one? This yeah, is I, I I truly think this is the only time we're gonna have an episode that feels like this. Yeah, I didn't like it. That's that's really all I gotta say. Really, <laughs> honestly, I was hoping that maybe talking about it would make me feel better about it because I didn't hate I, it I when I was done with it. I I didn't hate it when I was done with it, and and like I said, I still got emotional at the with the with the spot in Arlo thing. Not really so much because I was like that in it, but like I I felt it. You know, I thought it yeah. was effectively done. So by the so when I ended, I was just sort of like, oh, I guess that was fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. But honestly, talking about it more, it just sort of exposes how much of this movie just doesn't really work, or how much of it's missing. I think it, it just doesn't live up. Bothers me. It's yeah. just empty and doesn't live up, and that's yeah. that's a real real uh, stinker for for Pixar, which is a bummer. I yeah. do think I the I think that this speaks to, and this is again, I I swing for this far too much, but like. I do think that this movie speaks to how powerful the reputation of cars is because to me, this is this now having revisited it is my least favorite Pixar movie. Oh, I same. like cars two more than I like this movie. It's worse. The, the cars movies are at least fun to watch. Even like even cars two is kind of dumb sometimes, but it's at least like really fun. This movie is often not very fun. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think 
no, I know. Remember when we did our sort of halfway through retrospective? Like, Mm -hmm. Good Dinosaur was not last, nor was it second last. So if for no other reason than to recalibrate, not that I'm asking you to put yourself through like all the least favorite Pixar movies, but just consider (laughs) that maybe the reputation of Cars 2 is stronger than you think, because this movie right here is is not as fun as Cars 2. And Cars is a better movie than this by like bar none. Cars, well. (laughs) In every way. (laughs) The the only reason I ever bring up Cars 2's reputation is because I think Cars is a solidly good movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, okay. More than ever than, than, than we've ever, you know, had reason to ask this. I would love to hear from people. If you really like this movie or if we, cause we, we've never spent the majority of an episode talking about what didn't work in a Pixar movie. We've never yeah. done that. No. So I would love to hear from folks as far as like what did resonate with you from this movie. If things did resonate, what didn't we talk about? Because Sorry for trashing your movie for the last well, hour. <laughs> I don't care about that. That's, I mean, honestly, like, like that's not why. But like, it's just it's it's different for what we're doing, and I I do think we always leave stuff out of any discussion, right? Yeah, sure. Like, there's always something we're not getting to, um, and so naturally, there's going to be stuff we didn't get to in this one as well. Um, and I'm just curious. I'm just genuinely curious. Like, is there something I could see differently? Is there something that worked for people that I'm not seeing? So reach out. Uh, you can do that a number of different ways. Um, I'll do this a little bit out of order, but you can find us. Uh, we're, we're housed on Walloping Web Snappers on social media. So you can follow us on Twitter at Walloping Web Snappers or no, at Walloping Web Pod um, and uh, on Facebook as well. You can reach out to us that way. But we do have an email that's specific to this podcast, uh, pixarpodcast at gmail.com. So if there are things about this movie that you would really like to let me know about uh, or just have us consider, uh, we're not going to do another episode on it or anything, but we just interest. I think we would just be interested in hearing it. I don't know if we got um, a ton. If we got a lot of stuff, maybe we can do a little bonus. Oh yeah, no. If we if, if we heard from a lot of people <laughs> that like we just aren't considering things, and that like there's no reason that we should be ranking this lower than than Cars Two or whatever. Which I mean, I'll 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 have that conversation with you, but um, <laughs> please let us know. We might revisit it for that. We're not opposed to revisiting things if there's something we we greatly missed. I just don't think we missed anything that significant. Sure. Um, But anyway, all that to say, feel free to reach out to us. You can find us all over the place. Um, I would start at our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. That is much more Spider-Man oriented. But if you like what we do and the content we make, um, that is one way to support us just generally speaking. And if you do that, you get some extra Spider-Man content uh, there as well. Uh, Check out our Discord. We do have a dedicated channel on that Discord uh, for Pixar stuff. Uh, So you could also reach out to us there. There should be a link in the show notes. Um, Or you could just find us individually all over the place. Derek, if people want to find you and tell you about the good dinosaur, uh, where could they do that? Sure, you can find me and talk all about all about dinosaurs on Twitter <laughs> at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my new podcast called Gimmicks. It's uh, available anywhere you get your podcasts. That is about the high concept, experimental, structure-breaking gimmick episodes of television, where I have a different guest talking about a different show every week. You can also find it on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley. I am probably the more interested one in hearing more about and talking more about Good Dinosaur. Yeah, send us a dog. I don't think I'm interested in that. Derek has pretty much explicitly said he's not revisiting this one. (laughs) 
but I would love to hear it. Um, so reach out to me on Twitter. Like I said, Icky Bully. Uh, if you would like more stuff from me, uh, you can find me all over the place in the podcastosphere. If you like Pokemon, you can listen to me on Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Or if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on Novel Gaming, uh, which is a podcast about books and video games. Uh, you can also find me and Derek podcasting together every single week about Spider-Man cartoons on our podcast, Walloping Web Snappers, which is a deep dive into Spidey animation. We are, at the time of this dropping, we're covering, uh, not Wonder Woman, Spider Woman, uh, but we have a full archive of everything we've covered uh, on Walloping Web Snappers on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast or any of our podcasts on all podcast platforms. If you like what we're doing, somebody else will too, and those ratings and reviews make us much easier to find. Next month, we will be revisiting the ocean in... Finding Dory, another sequel. Yeah, another one I haven't seen too. Yes. Yay. (laughs) Hope it's better than this one. Bye. It is. It's like pieces of a puzzle that I love to try and solve. It's so fun to think about how a species has evolved and all.